1: Hello. Hi, priest. Hmm! What's he gonna think if he buys one of the gods like this with me?
0: Uh, Lucky god. <laughs>
1: Hello and welcome to On Equal Sequel. My name is Dave and I'm one of the two hosts of this creative podcast. And I'm Rich and
2: I'm the other host of this creative podcast. Think of me as the boulder to Dave's Indiana Jones. He's quite possibly the coolest man on the planet and I'm a large mossy rock.
1: (laughs) Thank you. The premise of Unequal Sequel is very simple. We ask our guests their best ever sequel, their worst ever sequel, and finally their dream sequel. And of
2: course, we often drift off and talk about other things. Sometimes movies, sometimes life in general.
1: And we do like to drop big fat spoilers, and that are completely by accident. So if we mention a film you haven't seen and you don't want it ruined, then go off reorganize your record collection you know it's a mess and then come back to us on today's episode we are joined by russell bailey
2: russell is the brilliant host of one of our favorite podcasts the not just for kids podcast it's all about things that you might think have been made for kids but actually adults really love
1: we're very excited to sit down with russell and chat all things sequels with him
2: these are russell bailey's unequal sequels enjoy
1: What was the
0: first memory of a sequel you ever have? Um, the Lost World, I think. I think it's the second Jurassic Park. I was like, I'm humming my head if it's this or episode one of Star Wars, but I, I, it's probably got to be The Lost World. Like, that's got to be the one that I... because So I have much more distinctive memories of watching the first Jurassic Park because I made it to, like, the second T-Rex scene and then was taken out of the cinema because I'd spent about 25 minutes crouched down in the footwell <laughs> peeping over because I was that terrified. And Jurassic Park is my favorite film I've made, and I've learned to
1: love it. Yeah, it's and me too. I would mate. definitely
0: have gone and seen The Lost World in the cinema. I don't love it. I don't. I didn't even love it at the time. It didn't gel for me when I was. When I was a so kid. you didn't hide
1: behind a seat on
0: that one? No, was I didn't. Was in think the so. cinema? I was, I was the in the lost cinema world? when I, I was a bit older, and like I just remember with Jurassic Park, I'd always been scared in the first scene for like three or four years afterwards, and then I kind of got over it. There's nothing in. This one for me that was as scary as that kind of opening of when they're trying to transport the Velociraptor and it kills the person. Because that's like, you can't see anything and it's all done with what you can't see and noise and and their dialogue and their reaction. There's nothing in the Lost World like that. So Spielberg,
2: isn't it? You don't have to see it.
0: Yes, it's got to be the Lost World, I think. I definitely went with my dad. He definitely took me to that. Which was, I mean, uh, brave of him because he took me to the first one and missed... The second half of the film, so let to go watch it again with someone else. Yeah, so it, was, it would have been the Lost World. I would have gone and watched that.
1: Yeah, and I've seen all the Jurassic Park films in the cinema. So yeah, oh, you're a devoted fan then. I'm and, a devoted and, fan. And how do you feel about the Jurassic World Park <gasps> franchise as a whole? Um, oh, um listeners, he's got his hand, his hands in his face, so that can't. I uh, <laughs> <laughs> do, do you want to start I with like... the old ones and work our way through? <laughs> Well, yeah, so I
0: I like Jurassic Park 3. I'm a rare person who likes Jurassic Park 3 because by that point, the franchise has got kind of dumb. And I'm like, this yeah. is a dumb Saturday morning cartoon. And I like the Spinosaurus because it's dumb. Like, stupidity of Jurassic Park 3 is endearing to me. I like Jurassic World up until they start talking about weaponizing dinosaurs and you get Chris Patton on a motorbike with velociraptors around him. And I'm like... I think you've gone down the wrong path here i think what i wanted was just a park with dinosaurs that's all we really wanted and now you're talking to this mm. i think the fallen kingdom is the uh best directed and worst written of the sequels wow. i think some of the direction is beautiful i think the opening bit where the guy's hacking in and is gonna open up the gate and then there's a t-rex stalking him is delightful and i think the bit where like there's the random dinosaur i forget its name is stalking them and like it's on the roof roaring it's all gothic horror but man that plot is a meringue of terribleness <laughs> and then dominion is awful <laughs> dominion is awful i i have no idea why you'd make a jurassic park film that doesn't care about dinosaurs i have no idea what the <sighs> thing is about locust. i don't know why you'd bring back all that cast and do nothing with them chris pratt looks incredibly bored in it i yeah, I um, yeah, it's a running joke with some people that just that they can say locust to me, and I get kind of a bit like in the Simpson episode where Homer, it's I think it's who shot Mister Burns, and he like realizes he's not in the letter, and his eyes like go to like little pinpricks pricks, and then it cuts to <laughs> yeah, yeah. him, and Ned goes, "That's the loudest profanity I've ever heard." That's basically how I feel a bit about Dominion, and I you I caveat alone. it with that I've talked to people who've worked on it. Or like have relatives that have worked on it and what they did to get around covid is remarkable like the testing regimes the the kind of levels of mm. who could interact with who is remarkable and i thing of a lot i don't like about it is kind of created so they could make it during the pandemic so like that mm. They go to yet another park, and that you have to separate everyone, so there's only two or three people together at any one time. And-,
2: and what we really wanted was the Walking Dead with dinosaurs, right? Yeah, we wanted an actual Jurassic world. Yeah,
0: wanted fun <laughs> human interactions with dinosaurs like that. They've got a short where the T Rex, I think, is attacks this like yeah. trailer park.
1: Yeah, and it's, it's tense
0: it. and it's exciting, and there's none of that in Dominion. And they even had the first teaser is like a T Rex attacking a drive-in cinema and that's not in the film and it feels just like a i think they were trying to they're trying to set up like next installments that don't involve chris pratt and bryce alice howard so i guess the pilots whose name because
2: escapes their me, chemistry is essentially she's trying to be
0: set up as like this like spin-off <laughs> character but yeah somehow we end up in the exact same place we do in fallen kingdom at the end of dominion where like dinosaurs are loose on the planet like yes you did then the last one mm. please do something with it and Hmm. I Dodson being the villain it, as a Jurassic Park fan I hate because in his <laughs> one scene in Jurassic Park <laughs> Dennis says his name repeatedly and says see no one cares and then yeah, says yeah. nice hat what are you trying to be a spy so it's like it un- it, it's going against the two things about him which is no one cares who this person is and the kind of corporate shenanigans by Biosyn and we probably shouldn't even get into their name because good grief they're called Biosyn. <laughs> like who could be unleashing these like evil locusts that are only attacking crops that don't use Biosyn's products? Ooh, I wonder who it is. But that's a whole thing over there. Like, yeah, having him come back is just irritating to me. And then him having a canister at the end, like I sat there for two and a half hours, like, I don't think I like a Jurassic Park film. Oh my god. I don't god. think that I like anything so about Jurassic. Heartbreaking. It's devastating. And-
2: I think that Jurassic World Dominion is coming up for the most the, the most picked as worst sequel. <laughs> I, th- I don't think we're far off more people picking that for their worst sequel than any people other movie. People are,
1: are angry about it, and I think that's because the first one is one of the best films ever. I don't think there's anything about it. Yeah. I think the second film is is fine. It's just it's got a problem. It follows Jurassic Park. Jurassic Park 3 does lose its way and it's got some really stupid plot points like
2: <laughs> yes yeah it's I such mean Tear Leone
1: yeah.
2: running around shouting "bear!" and the little kid like, just survived how, does, all the, the, how does the kid survive how does the
1: kid survive yeah. in any way yeah. on that island I think they Jurassic World they had good intentions Fallen Kingdom I mean they tried something different at the end of that film and you either love it or hate it but by the end of that film you think finally we've got dinosaurs roaming the earth and I think that's what anyone anyone wanted to see from the end of mm. the first jurassic park when pterodactyls are flying away like next to the helicopter you think that's cool let's see that it's only taken like 900 films to get this point and then you get to dominion and they announce all the the, the people at back you think brilliant can't wait to see that film i can't wait to see them all interact with loads of dinosaurs walking the earth like the walking dead and then that doesn't happen do you think they should have waited? I, We've gone right off topic somewhere. Do you think <laughs> they should have waited to after the pandemic to make that film? I believe Do you think so. that would have helped.
0: Having watched it, and some of the stuff's even more pronounced because it was the same summer as Top Gun Maverick, which was a film filmed before the pandemic. Yes, and I mean I loved Top Gun Maverick. I went in hoping to not like it because my friend was telling me to watch it. And I was like, fine, I'll spite you. I'll go watch it and not like it. And I had the best time with it. And it's like, it feels real and kinetic and a tactile. It feels like, it feels part of our world. Whereas when I watched Dominion, because you've got to shoot things in a certain way, you've got to make sure that not too many people are together because it's the pandemic. And I sympathize entirely with them, but... And it's a lot of the problem with some of the more recent Marvel's ones. They clearly have just been filmed in a sound studio with like a couple of people at yeah. any one time. And, and that's part of the problem with it. But I think we'll look back at these roster of blockbusters and go, well, maybe we should have just waited. Maybe we should have just not had... But then I'm not even sure if they would have had a film that would satisfy that kind of like... That hint of gold of like, well, what if dinosaurs are everywhere? And I'm not sure they would have had that film because... If anything, it might have resembled, at a push, the Godzilla film from the any of the Godzilla films, basically, that have come recently of like giant monsters rampaging around the world. And those films are fun when it's the monsters, but when it's the humans, I could just not watch those bits and I'm a bit... That's
1: because they forgot
0: to write them. <laughs> <laughs> That's why. It's quite clear. I've I've watched all those films. <laughs> but I mean, I'll, I'll absolutely watch another one of them because it's always ridiculous when you get like Godzilla fighting whichever one of the yeah, ridiculous monsters it is. But then they got, that... they
1: got the brilliant Sally Hawkins and she gets crushed by a bit of ice <laughs> in the second one after just saying nothing. It's a bizarre film. <laughs> what is your... Best ever
0: sequel. So uh, my best ever sequel is Batman Returns. I <laughs> I love Batman Returns. It is... Uh, so my dad showed me this when I was a very young. Like, I think I was four or five. And I got obsessed with Batman and Batman Returns. Brilliant. And as I get older, Batman Returns is the cool, sexy one. And it's weird and it's dark. And I rewatched it again today and I was like, this film is just everything I want from a like a superhero blockbuster I never get. Like, it's... I love, uh, I particularly love Daniel DeVito in it. Like, he's never been as weird as he is in this film, as kind of sexual and repugnant. And he's just, every time I watch him, like, I'm watching Daniel DeVito and being just the most repulsive little guy I've ever seen. I'm I'm in love with him, yeah.
1: His transformation is so good in this film. Just, you you forget that he's not that. I know he's a short man in real life, but just the prosthetics, the nose, and the way he walks and. And the hands—it's just like, oh, that's just how he is every day, I, I imagine. And I know he's not because he's—he's a comedy genius. But so you start watching this at four or five.
0: Yeah, no, he was—he was it was, was.
1: Your dad. It was on VHS.
0: Yeah, no, he, 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 a <laughs> lot of, lot of inappropriate stuff. Watching my dad, like when I was uh, eleven, I sneakily watched Predator, which is nineteen. I'd already <laughs> asked to watch, it, and he'd said no, and I watched it with a friend, and then told him. And his punishment was then to lend me 18 certificated films. Like <laughs> and he loves sci-fi horror. Brilliant. So I watched like Alien Aliens the Fly when I was like 11. Like far too young to be watching like Jeff Goldblum like lose <laughs> all his body parts and turn to a yeah. fly. But I did. And uh yeah, and like he took me to see Gladiator. I was a I'm short, than I'm I stopped growing when I was like 12, but I was a really tall, like 10, 11 year old. So he took me to watch Gladiator when I was like 10 in the cinema, and it was like I wasn't id because I was with him, and B, I was a big yeah. dad. So, um, mm-hmm. yeah, and that was, that was like, uh, a lot of my, like, early cinema memories are with him. I like him renting stuff on Blockbuster for me, or showing them to me. Some good, some bad. Like, I distinctly remember the summer we watched Speed, and then Speed 2, uh, in terms of sequels. And, yeah, Speed is one of my favourite films, and Speed 2 is Speed 2. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but yeah, yeah Batman that Returns is just... <laughs> Yeah, and I've watched I watch it like three or four times a year right now. I've got a bit too obsessed with it. I've got like my partner did me this art print of the weird duck boat car thing he has. She's got I an really artist to draw it. it. And <laughs> yeah, I, I just I love the art design. I love the look, the feel, the sound, and like the the progression from this and Batman to like uh the first Batman is Batman directed by Tim Burton. So it's still primarily in like the the what Batman is. And this is mm. Tim Burton's Batman. So it's like it's even more black and white and grey. It's even more weird characters doing weird things. Like you got Pee-Wee Herman at the start throwing his weird penguin boy into a river and goes and there. Christopher Walkins in this and he's utterly terrifying. Michelle Pfeiffer is Michelle Pfeiffer and like Yeah. And it's just like I, I miss like sexy blockbusters. I miss it when they, you know, it was that they actually interacted in real life. And it wasn't just like, you know. Person A, Person B stands together, says scripted lines, then there's yeah. a CGI explosion behind them. And this, it's like yeah. Batman fucks. I am allowed to swear, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. Go for yeah. it, yeah. Batman fucks swear as much l- as you like. <laughs> that's my measure of
0: like a good Batman is if he if he has sex. Like, like I liked the last Batman because it, <laughs> while he was depressed, it was clear that he'd have sex. Like, that's the thing. I think he, you know, he'd cry afterwards, but he would at least, you know, <laughs> when I watched like I don't know, George Clooney's Batman never once got near a woman. That's the problem there. He's like, oh, man, I don't mind whichever way Batman wants to go. But yeah, it's clear that he'd never had any human interaction with a person. Whereas Michael Keaton's Batman is sexy as. So like, he's cool, he's sexy. He has all this chemistry of Catwoman. And he got this weird little freak like the penguin running around.
1: I, I love it. I love everything about this film. Yeah. So did you watch this one after you watched Batman?
0: I want to say yes. I want to say my dad would have done it that way around. But it was so long ago. I just remember watching these two films hard and this one has is the one that has stayed yeah. like i've rewatched uh the burton batman i've seen all that stuff but the one if like, like this is my christmas film
1: <laughs> You one of my questions was do you think yeah. this is a
0: christmas film it absolutely christmas there's film, mistletoe yeah. there's a christmas tree one of the last lines is merry christmas master wayne i think it is
1: and yeah, yeah like it is yeah
0: i think any film set at christmas is a christmas film to me like that's why i love like things like die hard or black christmas or yeah you know yeah, like I think it's a wonderful life as a masterpiece, but only about twenty minutes is a Christmas. So it's a bit for me like, is this a Christmas film? Whereas Batman Returns is solidly Christmas, just you know, in a really weird way.
1: I mean it's the biggest Christmas tree, isn't it? Yeah.
2: Yeah. And uh,
0: the key plot
1: point is the Christmas tree. It's
2: true. <laughs> Even though it was released in June. So yeah. Came out in June, despite being a Christmassy kind of set Is that movie. because it
1: was released in America in Christmas and then at that point in... No, no,
2: it was released in the US. Even in, June. in the US. Yeah, well,
1: I, I've got no excuses. Then that's really done. <laughs> but I mean, but like is- Die Hard and that- Iron Man Three are both set at Christmas,
0: and they would have been big summer releases. I, mm. I think it's only quite recently for me that it's felt like Christmas has kind of become a competitor to um to the summer. Like it's always felt a bit like there's that lag. and like, there's always been summer blockbusters since, like you know, Star Wars and Jaws, and it's mm. just. Christmas kind of study catches up and now we get Avatar 2 over Christmas, which makes all the money.
1: Well, yeah, because yeah, the Lord of the Rings were all over Christmas. I think the early Harry Potters were, were Christmassy films yeah. and they, they swapped that out for big summer Well, I think temples. Christmas is
2: the big time now, isn't it? So certainly in the States, like Boxing Day is like cinema day essentially over there and, and i think the summer less so because people are out and about and doing stuff and don't want to sit in a dark room i mean i'm the complete opposite to be honest when it's hot outside i want to be sat in a dark cold room air conditioning yeah. as much as possible yeah it's absolutely. a big selling
1: point air conditioning
2: yeah i mean i watched i was perfect age for this because i was 11 when this came out oh, wow! And I, I remember watching this in the cinema oh, wow. and watching batman just before like we got batman on video and watching Batman before, just before going to watch this at the cinema, I'm being really excited, slightly Batman obsessed at this point, had a Batman lunchbox. And I was telling my wife yesterday about like the penguin toy that I had that sh- used to shoot an umbrella and <laughs> the Batmobile that used to like fold, all the armour used to fold out over it and stuff like that I, I remember having. Yeah. The toys are amazing. Quality. Yeah.
1: I yeah. had a
0: little one of the boats, like the thing he is going through the tunnel and I've got
1: none yeah. more. I had it. I had
2: it. I love that little ducky boat car thing. <laughs> I really want one of those. Uh, yeah, it's so cool.
1: <laughs> I don't think I watched this until I was like proper adulty. I think, or at least mid teenager. I didn't see it in '92, and when I first did see it, I wasn't a fan, guys. I, really? I, yeah, I was not. I was not on board with Batman <laughs> Returns for probably years. Uh, wow. Until I got, I got a box set. I think of the the Blu-ray. You are box wrong. Set. Oh, no, I <laughs> <laughs> Hands up. I am definitely wrong because it, it's mm. a great Batman film. But I just think because I love the first Batman so so much, and you know the Joker, Jack just goes hell for leather in that film, and he still steals, steals, steals mm. every scene. Uh, and Keaton is also brilliant in in both of these. But I don't know. I just didn't connect for ages for Batman Returns. But now I do. I think Michelle Pfeiffer's absolutely like in this yeah. film is incredible. And just hearing stories about how she had to be like sewn into her costume and couldn't breathe for hours and stuff, and just the combination of the three of them. And then Christopher Walken as the extra bad guy. It's just he it doesn't even get like a name in normally. It's it's incredibly put together. And plus, it's a it's a brilliant Tim Burton film.
0: Mm. It's yeah. like Tim Burton before he discovered CGI and got a bit. Um, yeah, like I, I love. Burton in the 80s and 90s. I love yeah. that kind of like practical vibe the he practical, has. That kind of yeah. look and feel. Like like rewatching it today, it still looks beautiful. It's still a beautifully shot film.
2: Yeah.
0: And like you say about Pfeiffer, like Pfeiffer being a late addition, I think it was Annette Benning was cast and then was pregnant. So she obviously couldn't be this Catwoman because this oh, Catwoman wow. is. Yeah, you
1: couldn't be pregnant in that suit. There's no all way. All of in it.
0: Um, <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, Michelle Pfeiffer is phenomenal and it's such a fascinating. I think the sexual politics of this film is fascinating because she is like this kind of like almost parody of a working girl, like from the start, and like is like that kind of like um, self deprecating working girl that you see in all these kind of 80s comedies. But her fate is to be killed off by her boss and then come back as kind of like a vengeful Mm. ball of fury that's just destroying people. And then, like, obviously has this chemistry with uh, Keaton's Batman. It's hot. And then Walken is like a massive predator and monster in this. And then like you watch, you're watching <laughs> the penguin um, <laughs> say he wants to show some woman his French flipper trick. Yeah. 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 I have to it's say the, the badge
1: bit when he's just there yeah. for about five minutes, yeah. putting a badge on having a good like, old
0: growth. Is it, Are you are the hottest young something. Ever? Yeah. But, it, and it's the bit where he bites the guy's nose. It just sticks in my head. Like him saying mm. it could be worse. We could be gushing. your nose could be gushing blood. Yeah. And they're like, what? And then he bites the nose. It's, this film dark and weird. I understand why, like, parents hated it because the, the story, the villain's plot is to kidnap all the kids and kill them. And that's yeah. what it is yeah, from that, the very yeah. start. That's what he's doing from the very first time he emerges from the sewer. That's his plan. He gets distracted and goes off and does politics, but he <laughs> collects all the names. He's like, this is my backup. I'm going to kill all these kids. I'm like, yeah. yes, that's what I want you to do. Come on, Marvel, do that. Have kids be killed off. Well, not killed. You know, <laughs> be killed off.
1: I think he, Dan and Peter does a great job for being... Because there's nothing about him that should be scary, but because he's not like he can't fight Batman, can he, at any point? But he, you know,
2: hey, he's got a machine gun and an umbrella.
1: Oh, and (laughs) and, you know, none of that feels cheesy in this film, and like it does in in the later ones. Mm,
2: The practical effects are great, and I think that's I watched it last night with my wife. We sat there going. And she was like, "Those penguins do look a bit weird." And I was like, "Yeah, but <laughs> give give me give me a small person in a penguin suit over crappy CGI mm. any day." Like, I would I would happily take that.
1: Some of them were real penguins, though, right?
2: Some of them were real penguins. Yeah, I, I think the it's Emperor like when we penguins, get the penguins like at the end,
0: lifting in Danny DeVito's penguin into the yeah. water. Those are definitely men in suits, but they I are. find it kind of an endearing moment because it's weird and it's like the film pauses. For something that doesn't need to happen, which is that the penguins lift mm. up their former, I guess, owner or king or whatever he is to them. And Dad, gives him yeah. a burial. Yeah.
2: I don't know about anyone else, but I had full on, like, Willy Wonka, and Loompa music in my head when they came <laughs> <laughs> waddling out like, yeah. to lift Daddy Dorito into the water. But yeah, it's brilliant. I've got a question about Catwoman, though, before go we get any it. further. No, though. go for it. So... Do the cats give her special powers, or do they just, she's not dead, they just wake her up? Because it's, it's kind of, a, like, I've never it's really I have never understood what
1: here, but I just read it as a comic book movie and something magical happens.
2: That's what I'm thinking. Is it magical, or does she just wake up with slight brain damage that makes her really I vengeful?
0: I kind of read it that she's a bit brain damaged myself. Like, I, it could be supernatural, but Burton's ones aren't, like, explicitly supernatural for me, like even though the the joker gets dunked into a vat of chemicals and drowns then comes back like again comic book logic means that people can almost die and then come back or can die and come back and like she does Mm. have nine lives so she does survive the end even though she gets electrocuted yeah maybe there's a supernatural thing to it but i think at that point for me it's just that like she's had a massive amount of brain trauma at that point and that explains (laughs) a lot of her actions
1: Well, falling out of her, like a ten-story building would do that to you, I think. Yeah, and I love the flip. I think she plays the the two sides of that coin so well. Like, like you said, the working girl start, mm. and when she, let's say, hits her head and then turns psychotic, I think she's great. So mm. you think she she definitely lives at the end? Yeah, because you, s
0: because I, I, you I mean you see a shot of her, but yeah, I um, I've always interpreted that she is out still out there doing stuff, and like the my favorite reading of the Burton Schumacher films that I've ever read is that the Schumacher films are the Batman films of the Burton world. And it comes after Bruce Wayne, grief stricken from the loss of Catwoman has revealed who he is and retired. And so they made films about Batman and that's the Schumacher Batman films, Uh, which is satisfying given. I don't love the Schumacher films, particularly one of them. I think one of them is quite, um, I'm always a bit like, have I taken acid? And when I'm watching Batman and Robin, because it, it kind
2: of—I mean, Batman and Robin is is bad. awful. It's awful, but it's also a total.
0: I, I admire like total vision. I admire like when a director has total vision. Like I can't stand mm. the Cat in the Hat,
2: but I admire it for like a
0: total vision of what it is. Like uh, Bo Welch, who's the production designer on this he's uh, like one directing time it, and it's like total vision there, but it just doesn't work. Like, yeah, oh, it's,
2: this it's, is total vision that does work. Yes. Yeah. It's not the vision as such that I don't think it works for me in Batman and Robin. It's the one liners. <laughs> it's the fact that Arnie, Arnie talks exclusively in one liners. Mm. Like, there's no dialogue. There's like literally just someone says a line and then someone <laughs> says another line and neither, of, none of them interact with anybody. Like,
1: ba- yeah. Crazy. Batman and Robin is a bunch of characters trying to get their saying in a trailer yes <laughs> yeah what, absolutely and a bunch
0: really of toys like. being sold at you like, like the cool yeah. designs in this get warped and then you've got to have like 15 bat suits and there's got to be Robin and Batgirl and, and various and cars bat and credit card for... and, <laughs> oh <my> <laughs> <sake>.
1: <laughs> not good so what do you think about Batman Forever because it's brilliant I think
0: it's I, f- I have fun with it I don't like Val Kilmer in it I think Val Kilmer doesn't want to be there and it's quite <laughs> apparent watching it but I do enjoy um jim carrey's buffoonery is that what, is that <laughs> yep. what called it? yeah and i do think i think uh, while i am annoyed with the uh, recasting because i think it was was it billy
1: d williams yeah billy d williams is who's in,
0: in is in the first batman he's not in, oh, not this, in this one, one. okay because he was going to be in this as the max shrek character that was going to be harvey dent and that was going to be the birth of harvey dent but they thought it was too much so they pulled him out okay yeah and i think to me lee jones is fun in in batman forever it's just i think that the the heroes in that are much more pronouncedly not what i want to watch like like a critique of batman returns which i think is valid but i disagree with is that batman is kind of in the background and he doesn't say anything until after half an hour mark it's not his film but that for me is a batman film a batman film isn't about batman the most interesting batmans for me are like the ones where it's like about i don't know Like the Dark Knight is about a uh, criminal underworld responding to the presence of Batman and then then a a period of escalation taking place. That's what it's about. Yeah, Batman is a key part of that. But the overarching story for me is this kind of like Michael Mann-esque sprawling crime thriller. And like in here it's like Gotham is just this like vortex of, of weirdness. And all these people getting sucked into it and becoming weirder because of it. Like uh, Catwoman is weirder because she has been in Gotham and has experienced Gotham. Max Schreck is, is a very strange, like, iteration of a Donald Trump-esque businessman.
2: <laughs> and,
0: like, the Penguin. Penguin was probably always a bit strange, but he feels particularly strange because he's been in the sewers of Gotham for so long and he's just kind of been warped by this existence he's had. Yeah, I just,
1: I love its darkness. Do you think they had to try and pose it? so they couldn't start with the penguin in tim burton they had to like not go as weird early i mean the Joker's is pretty weird but it does that film does help build the mm. world for batman returns when they can go a little bit more even more gothic than the first yeah. one to be honest
0: i think so i think the thing about uh the first batman is that with the joker the joker is is it was always a character so primarily batman if you can't if you haven't imagined, I love Batman. Batman is is, is my favorite superhero. Um, So like the Joker's always been there. So it would make sense to have the Joker first. And the Penguin has always felt more like a a kind of of a roster of villains. Like it's never felt like the Penguin can be the main villain. Mm. And like Jack Nicholson as the Joker, like part of the appeal of the first Batman is you've got Jack Nicholson just going whole hog, eating all the scenery and having a whale of a time. And I don't think that that's quite what Danny DeVito's Penguin is. I think he's he's a weird chap doing his own thing, but he's not, like, stealing the show. Yeah, mm. It's why Michelle Pfeiffer can also, like, have her own moments. It's why Michelle Pfeiffer has such a cultural impact because of this film, because I, I don't think you'd have Michelle Pfeiffer and Jack Nicholson's Joker in the same film, whereas I think you'd no. have like Michelle Pfeiffer's Catwoman and Donnie DeVito's Penguin and slithering and for Christmas. Max Shrek as well. You need that years. kind of...
2: That It's almost like... Christopher Walken is the the criminal mastermind, yeah, and the Penguin is like the blunt instrument kind of thing. Like that's you you need that kind of extra, and you know I think that's that's kind of why it works, isn't it? It's Mm. it's you're absolutely right. Is that Penguin doesn't feel like he can be a standalone? He's a a bit more like in the cartoons. He's a bit kind of and the and the comics and things. He's, He's a bit more. A, a bit less of a blunt instrument than he is in in this movie yeah. I think but That's still you terrifying you need that kind of oh yeah. yeah and
0: like in the in the great arkham series he's there and he's a crime boss but doing his own thing and it just happens that like I, I love the game Arkham City I don't know if you've ever played it but it's it's, it's I think it's great. a fabulous representation of Batman and it's kind of a bit like Zelda in that there are dungeons you go off to and each dungeon is themed around a specific villain so like that again is like the penguin works as like this kind of like villain but there are other villains and like as you've pointed out christopher walken's max shrek is probably the main villain here like like he's the one mm. who is doing all the bad stuff he's like he unleashes penguin he is he creates catwoman and then he does lots of other stuff that's pretty bad
1: <laughs> he, he's also the person you would forget that's in this film though right yeah if you yeah. yeah. like say the top five people in batman returns christopher mm. walken's character probably wouldn't be in that no um, you
0: you would probably remember uh is it michael goff is that the alfred oh yeah you so, remember yeah. him more than Christopher
1: Walken. So, like, Walken's just a nice surprise when it happens. <laughs> and he's, he's eating, like, the scenery beautifully. And especially when he's with his son at that point. He's like, run, Dad, leave me. And he's like, okay, and leaves him straight away. Oh,
2: yeah, Chip, the son. Oh, Chip is great. <laughs> Andrew Buriansky, who was Leatherface in the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Really? Like... Yeah, yeah. The which? No, the, the not the first one, oh, not the original the one. one. The the remakey one. Okay, I think. the
0: two thousand something.
1: Yeah,
2: yeah, which, yeah. You've got to melt like... this
1: down and when you say remakey thing as well. there has been about five. Of them, I think.
2: <laughs> um, yeah. So he's a he's a bodybuilder. Isn't yeah, he's um the beginning. the two thousand and six one.
0: Oh, and even worse. Is that Texas the Matthew McConaughey Chainsaw? one? That... No, that's um, Texas Chainsaw Massacre 4, which is in the nineties. I haven't seen. Oh, it he
2: before. was in he was in the two thousand and three one as well. The, okay, the other that's
0: the yeah. Michael Bay produced one with Jessica Biel as the final girl, and it's the,
2: that's the one, the yeah, original remade for the two
0: thousands. Some horror fans like it. I don't remember anything about it. Do you have a favorite scene
1: of Batman Returns?
0: Oh, favorite scene. Uh it's got to be. One of the penguin moments. I do love the bit when he bites the guy's nose. That feels like a weird one to pick out. There's lots of little moments, like the bit where Batman is sat on his own brooding and then the like bat symbol pings down into his room. That's like, it's ridiculous, but it's brilliant. Fabulous.
2: And like <laughs> At that point, my wife goes like, does Bruce Wayne just sit there on his own? staring at the wall I think he does until the bat symbol oh, goes off we mobile
1: phones did so like... <laughs> yeah I,
0: I think that's what he was doing I think he was just waiting for there to be some kind of crime like oh God, what's the best bit maybe it's maybe it's the arrival of the boat duck that's cool because we get that entire scene like we get like the the repeat of the mistletoe line and so they find out who they are and then they're like do we fight now which is lovely like one of the things I love about this film is it, how it represents uh, heroes and villains like it seems to be a bit lost for me like today like now we know who we are. Do we need to fight or can we just like do that when we're in costume? Is that something we just do when we're in costume? And then you get Danny DeVito's amazing like blowing up the bottom of this room and coming up and saying like, you didn't invite me. So I crashed. One of my favorite lines of this film. And you get Christopher Walken's Shrek being slippery and Chip being heroic.
1: <laughs> Is yeah. that the bit when the Penguin pretty much gives away his plan before he's put the plan into? Yeah. yeah. yeah.
0: Classic uh, villain faux pas there. Like, yeah. He, I'm telling he reveals... you what I'm going
1: to do because I haven't sent my men out yet to do it, but this is what their plan's doing. About half an hour, they're yeah. going to be out there <laughs>
0: giving you a head start. Head start. So I hope um... Batman's not in this room to foil the plot.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I loved the Catwoman introduction when she blows up the building behind her. <laughs> like, and she lands. It's just, I think that's quite iconic.
2: I was just going to say that Catwoman scene where she where she essentially somersaults across the road for no reason. Oh, man. Like she
1: could have walked quite easily,
2: just walked across the road, but just does somersaults across the road. And That's just like, character building, ta-da.
1: right?
2: I don't, know if I've, I don't know if I've got a favourite scene that you guys haven't mentioned, but, I mean, like I've said already, the ducky boat just steals the show for me. <laughs> ducky boat. Just wherever the ducky boat car thing goes, I'm happy. And how does you get that made
0: in the sewer? Like, how? If I were to think too hard about this film that I utterly am devoted to, I would work out, well, why is this zoo abandoned yeah mm. why how does he have this ducky boat who makes all these umbrellas for him i you could you
2: could pull this one <laughs> well up, yeah i mean it's... he's got like all these little minions are like really tech geniuses because they all hack the batmobile <laughs> yeah they can hack yeah. the batmobile that's yeah, yeah,
0: that's so... I love that's that a good scene where it's like um oswald's school of driving and it's like danny DeVito <laughs> hamming it up and you like get this shot outside of his like battle bus thing shaking back and forth because he's having the whale of a time yeah yeah like uh, he has vision yeah. And he has the people oh, yeah. to make
1: his vision come true.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. He's, re- he's recruited like half of Apple than <laughs> bit, to like build his stuff for him.
1: We do have to quickly talk about future Keaton because he was meant to do a Batman mm-hmm. 3, which was Batman Forever. And mm-hmm. he famously went, If Tim Burton's not doing it, I'm not doing it. He read the script and went, No, I'm, I'm good. Thank you. Time of recording. We haven't, none of us have seen The Flash, but Keaton <laughs> is coming back. I've
2: seen the trailer yeah are you
1: excited about this keaton is back as batman that batman
0: okay the flash is a moral dilemma for me because obviously the lead actor has done everything that well he's been accused of a lot of stuff some lawyers have told us to very strange i'll say this some Mm. of the stuff he's accused of is very strange but my batman is back yeah michael keaton is my batman Like, when they cancelled Batgirl, I was... I mean, I was angry because Brendan Fraser was the villain I was angry because J.K. Simmons was back as Commissioner Gordon. And he was a fun... For, like, the scene he's in. Or the two scenes, maybe. (laughs) But Michael Keaton was back as Batman. So that made me angry. So I I think I have to be excited for The Flash. In spite of the fact that I'm like... Yeah, but there's all that stuff over there. That's, like, Mm. this legal
2: grey awfulness. But Michael Keaton's Batman, so... And it's another weird dead rubber of a movie. Because...
1: What is your most disappointing sequel? Mm, so we've talked about Jurassic World Dominion. So it's not your worst. It's not your worst. Yeah. It's the most disappointing. So it doesn't have to be a bad film, mate. It just broke your heart a little bit. I won't
0: pick Evil Dead Rises, but I did find that disappointing. It's a recent disappointment that's in my head. But... We can
1: talk about that if you want. Because no, 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 no. You, no I, I, I'm not
0: passionate not about Not ready to it.
1: talk about that yet, too? I, couldn't, no.
0: I think it is Rise <laughs> of Skywalker and i think here we go (laughs) i'm sorry i know i'm picking another one that i'm sure a lot of people go like this one (laughs) but it's just like i'm right now working my way through the star wars films right um and i've rewatched the prequels and uh, And i guess my issue uh i forgot how bad the acting is in the first one and the second one i think the third one is great i think the first two have like i think there's like a look and feel to them that is is wonderful but then when you have like Ewan McGregor deliver lines, like he's only just been handed a piece of paper and he's like, right, what am I doing now? Okay, fine.
2: Probably because he like, has just voice. been handed a piece of paper. <laughs> and the, I
0: sympathize because it's like one of the first films that was shot mostly in CGI. So like I think actors. Was, I
1: think Attack of the Clones possibly was first with digital cameras or something. Crazy yeah, so like that. they're
0: being thrown into like this like world that actors haven't really had to deal with before that much like C.J. has been more woven into the films than it was in those ones but so my point is like the thing about the prequels is there's a clear story going on there there's a clear arc for those three films lucas has a clear idea of where he's going and that pays off in the third one wonderfully uh even if i don't think the acting gets ever anywhere i call good by the third one you're so invested whereas <laughs> and i
1: think you call good sorry <laughs> <that> makes... <laughs> oh god I'm
0: so cat- right anyway um but rise of skywalker like i guess my problem i find it disappointing because i'm not a massive fan of last jedi i think it's perfectly fine and i can watch it but there's mm-hmm. stuff in i like i wouldn't do that but once you've done it you've done it once you've mm-hmm. committed to the bit you committed to the bit and rise of skywalker spent so much of its running time undoing what was done during the last jedi that it doesn't have anything satisfying to itself and that it has to rush things which is like with Palpatine being back is a rush thing. If you want to bring Palpatine back, set it up like in The Force Awakens that he's <laughs> yeah. going to come back. Like,
2: and Dave knows why I'm like, every time someone mentions Palpatine being back, all I can think of is Poe just going, and Palpatine's back for some reason. Yeah, <laughs> the <laughs> delivery of
0: that line is wonderful. He literally like says somehow. Like, I'm contractually obliged to say this line, yeah. but I don't want yeah. to say it. And it's just, I didn't realise until quite recently that I was hurt by rise of skywalker i because mean, this is really like i couldn't uh, commit to going. star wars in the same way that i had before and now i can mm. yeah i've kind of got past it but for a couple of years i was like i liked the mandalorian because it, it's star wars but not important like it's it's like star wars where there's a guy in a little baby yoda thing and that's it and i was like i like this and then when it would get more and more like Luke Skywalker pop stuff i was like i don't like this i just want like the i want the feel of star wars but not the story and i realized that with rise of skywalker like because it it bungles the entire trilogy and it kind of reinforces there is no singular narrative of that trilogy. Like, hmm. all this talent is there. It's got some of the best acting of the entire series. It's got, like, Adam Driver, Oscar Isaacs. Is it John Boyega? He's in there, isn't he? John he Boyega. Is. John Boyega. Yeah, yeah. uh, Donald Gleeson. one of my favourite actors to watch. I think he's a wonderful actor. I hate the Peter Rabbit films and I think he's wonderful in it. But, um, yeah, they're all wasted. And then by the end of Rise of Skywalker, I was just, like, crushed by it a bit like i don't think it's Mm. the worst sequel i've seen but it is one or two or three sequels that makes me genuinely angry and like another one would talk about and that is my worst sequel but this one it's like i don't think it's badly made but i think it's made on the hoof and it's kind of made without like this like singular idea running through the trilogy yeah and so you're in this place where like go yeah but why are we doing this why are we at this point where this is happening
2: i think you're right it's it's disrespectful essentially to, to launch into a trilogy, to, to expect us to buy into three movies without having a, a fucking clue what you were going to do. Like, you know, it, it just, it does feel like it's made up on the hoof. And honestly, like, it's, it's awful it, yeah and we're getting these three new ray movies now aren't we this this new ray trilogy that's i mean we've coming. been
0: announced i think six or seven star wars films at this point like i want that to, I, but i do want a new star wars in the cinema i want to watch star wars in the cinema again and, yeah like, i'm watching star wars visions now which are these like animated shorts the first series is all anime which i've only just realized halfway through it and the second series is like Studios from around the world, so like Cartoon Saloon and Ardman are there, and I have a great affinity towards animation. And you're watching like particularly Cartoon Saloon's ones; they do Irish folklore animated, and it's it's kind of Irish folklore, it's kind of Victorian industrial, it's all these things wrapped into it. And it just it reminds mm. me that Star Wars can be a lot more than than that trilogy ended up being. Like, I think Rogue One is fantastic in the yeah. end. I think yeah. the first half's a bit. Messy and all over the place, but how it ends is like nothing I've really seen in modern blockbusters, and I think that that I think they're just afraid to take the risks that they need to take. And like The Last Jedi is a risk that didn't pay off for me, but paid off for a lot of people, and I was quite happy for it to be a risk. And Rise of Skywalker is a film that takes no risks, like kills yeah. off Chewbacca mm. and then brings him back in five minutes. Like, Ugh.
1: yeah, there's nothing wrong with yeah. like Rise of Skywalker. I watched it again the other day, and it's it's well made. There's some really nicely set pieces, like when Ray and uh, Kylo Ren are fighting on that water planet with the mm. old. That's really nice, and I mean a lot of the end bits not bad. the sky, well, I mean the fighting up above, not what's kind of going down below. <laughs> but like Rich said, I think it was just a slap in the face to the paying customers. To be honest, mm. at that point they were like, oh, they're going to see this, whatever. So it doesn't it doesn't matter what we do. And then obviously the last line is, "Might as well just kick me in the nuts a hundred times." You're pretty
2: much, yeah, yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. It's
2: I'm not someone who gets angry about movies. I get sad and disappointed when movies are bad. I was viscerally angry at the end of The Rise of Skywalker, like so much so that I, I out loud in the cinema I said, "Oh fuck off!" <laughs> and I was like.
0: I had a headache because I'd rolled my eyes several times quite <laughs> yeah. aggressively at some of the reveals. And my friend likes to remind me that I was very angry. Also, that I have a friend I go to watch of like these big films with, and then we went and got food afterwards. And apparently I was very loud about all the things I hated about a film that had come out two days before. And I was doing a Homer Simpson, telling everyone what was happening. But I don't feel that guilty because it's Rise of Skywalker and, and people need mm. to be warned. Uh, yeah, I... Uh, yeah.
2: They do. Yeah. I wish and I'm it was. like better. you about Last the Last Jedi as well, As I kind of I didn't love it. I've gone back to it and like it more now, I think. But I didn't love it at the time. I but certainly watching it frustrated as a pair by the
0: by the, diver, the diversion to the casino yeah. planet. I'm always a bit like, Yeah, but they're being chased. You've yeah. said that this is really important. And I always am like I think the humour doesn't quite click with me in this one. Like I think The Force Awakens is quite good at its humour. I think it's quite a funny mm. film organically whereas i find it a bit more forced than the last jedi but then because it's ryan johnson and he can direct he he could direct like i don't know a cup on a table and it would look like the greatest cup you've ever seen right uh, the last jedi is beautifully shot and put together and i I do like how it ends i do like Mm. that it's saying that ray's heritage doesn't matter that is a beautiful idea that expands out away from this like family drama that we have for so much of it and like killing off snoke is 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 a great idea. It's just some of it's a bit like not as good as it should be. Some of it mm. does
2: doesn't I think click my major problem was was Luke was Luke Skywalker essentially. I just didn't feel like it was it felt it just didn't ring true mm. with what we'd seen in other movies. And then watching it again as a parent where he basically just gets so tired he dies.
1: I was like, actually, <laughs> no, <laughs> I, can, I can appreciate <laughs> that now.
2: Yeah. Like,
1: <laughs> I'm going to have to simmer you down a bit. Now we've got to be hot-headed, because this is where this goes beautifully. What is your worst ever sequel? My worst ever
0: sequel is Terminator Genesis, <laughs> which I watch every single year. Why? <laughs> why? Yeah, why? <laughs> I can't get my head around a Terminator film that's this bad, so I have to watch it to try and find something I like about it, and I like it less each time. It's. I should stop doing this practice, but I have. I did this film a disservice when I saw it because they re-released The Terminator in cinemas about two or three weeks beforehand. And I went Mm. and watched The Terminator in cinema and it was an amazing experience because... So, like, I watched Terminator 2 when I was eight. Another one of these, like, poor parents... Well, actually, a grandparent let me watch it. So another poor choice on their part. And I watched Terminator 2 when I was eight. And Terminator 2 is... It's fairly close to my best sequel ever, but... Uh, yeah, I like Batman Returns slightly more. Like Batman Returns means slightly more to me, but Terminator Two means a lot. And it's one of those films. That if it's on TV at any point, I'll just sit and watch it until I'm told to stop watching it. I'll just be like, No, I'm good here. There's a party. Great. I'm just going to watch Terminator Two. This bit. <laughs> well, you just
1: say until this bit, and then you realise yeah. what comes after that. Like, oh, <laughs> hang on, hang on. Yeah, yeah. This yeah. bit, and then yeah. I get and
0: you. I don't hate the other sequels. Like I-, I can find stuff to admire in most of them. I think that they're all kind of. Follies, but also like, I love that Terminator Three ends with them blowing up the planet. That's wonderful to watch. Some of Blockbuster ends of nuclear death, um, <laughs> but yeah, Terminator Genesis is just on every conceivable le- level a film I hate, and I hate very few films. I don't tend to hate films because they it's too much effort. I mean, obviously the worst sequel ever is either the son of the Mask or Speed Two that we can agree on. But this is just for me on every conceivable level i hate it like from the moment it starts i'm like oh we're in a bad territory here well, this doesn't click for me yeah like they spend all this time in this film initially setting it up so it looks and feels like terminator but it's also clean and sleek and there's no dirt in the future and the future feels uh metallic and not like humanity has lived in it and the thing about cameron's vision of the future is it's dirty and there are bones mm. everywhere and it's utterly horrifying as it should be because it's a nuclear it's a future where nuclear bombs have blown us up and robots are enslaving us and trying to kill us so it should be utterly terrifying and this is like yeah and then we've got um is it jay it's jay courtney isn't it
2: yeah jay courtney who dave's favorite actor i'll say something nice i like him (laughs) as captain
0: boomerang in the suicide squad films i think he's a fun captain boomerang he is having a lot of fun there i will jump on that before we slag him off yeah he's lovely in that film (laughs) (laughs) Tim <laughs> as Carl Reese is one of the great bit of miscasting because Carl Reese is a life's a, he's he's small he's thin he's weedy the idea is that he's not you know a super soldier it's that he's like had to survive and is is scrappy mm. and Jay is built he's got he's built he's oh man scrappy. he's got like a like a nine pack he lacks any chemistry of anyone on screen which is not necessarily all his fault because everyone else is kind of rubbish in this jason clark is uh john connor and um he's awful in this he's <laughs> bland and awful and there's a twist and i guess spoilers but you know
1: go for it, it. they spoiled it no, in the trailer
0: spoiler. they revealed in the trailer that he was going to be a new terminator and i can't believe they did that <laughs> that doesn't they come from about... the trailer the first yeah one trailer, of the trailer, Rich, pretty yeah. much oh my god and it happens about two-thirds of the way through the film i think it's so the plot of this film is they go back in time to the 80s, but the 80s is different. They go forward in time to today, where Skynet is now an IP, an app, something on your phone, and Jason Clarke's John Connor is there as a Terminator, but he's a weird, like, uh, not liquid metal, but like... Like Nanobot kind of like thing. The, like the thing in um, Big Hero 6. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's what he is. Anyway, that's fine. And But they revealed this in a trailer beforehand, and it was a choice. He spends his entire time monologuing this dirge that's terrible. Matt Smith, bless him, is in this for about three minutes. And I still remember the, <laughs> sh- the promo shot of him. F- they did this like promo shoot of them firing guns on an Oh, look it up. Camera. It's brilliant. Yeah, and yeah, Matt yeah. Smith is one of them. And it's like, why is he here? Like they had all this like mystery of who Matt Smith is. And it's, he's barely used in this film.
1: He, he reeks of a man that said, you're going to have a massive part in the sequel to this. And then that, yeah, that yeah, never yeah. happened.
0: To link him back into Rise of Skywalker, he was in that, and they cut him out. I think he was a young Palpatine, and they cut him out of the film. So, yeah, wow. Here we are. Oh, okay. So Matt Smith has terrible luck when it comes to blockbusters. He has terrible. I like Matt Smith a lot. I I think he's a really fun actor, but he has terrible luck when it comes to blockbusters. Then we go into the eighties, and they recreate. Uh, the Terminator several times, which I wouldn't do because the Terminator is a near perfect film. And if you're not a near Mm. perfect film, you shouldn't be recreating a near perfect film. That's, that's uh, a folly. And then we get, uh, we get the Terminator and we get um, Sarah Connor and Terminator is now known as Pops and is played by Arnie because Arnie always plays the Terminator, which never makes sense to me because it's an infiltration unit. So there should only be one, arnie yeah yeah Yeah. i've never understood that and i kind of accept it in terminator 2 because it's fun to have arnie back (laughs) so he's he's fine he's played this part many times before he is as arnie as he is and then we have Amelia clark as sarah connor and so my partner didn't watch this me but she watched five minutes and she asked if sarah connor was a robot in this (laughs) Because of Amelia Clark's oh, that's acting. That's so mean. Oh. It, is, it is and it's I didn't say it, so it's fine. She's I love so, Amelia yeah, Clark. So do I, I. I
2: absolutely love Amelia Clark, but she is not Linda no, Hamilton. No,
0: and she doesn't
1: okay. she doesn't fit this and she's She's only five the, foot tall, isn't she? She's not. Yeah.
0: And they they make a joke of that. Like they have like this, like at one point they get arrested and there's like a photo shoot for them in the police station. Yeah, she's not great in this at all, and the way Sarah Connor is written is just like, like they're trying to find the sweet spot between one and two, but they mm. kind of just fly off the the runway and into, like, I don't know, a factory made of glass. It, it's terrible. And also, I forgot to say, J.K. Simmons is in this for a bit. And J.K. Simmons, bless him, love him, he's fabulous, but he definitely says yes to everything that's offered to him. Like, and he's <laughs> always great. Like, he's actually fun in this, but his part's like a cop who meets Carl uh, Reese in the past and is there in the future. I read, I read why he did this film today. <laughs>
1: why did he do it? Right. He did this film because his daughter was a fan of Jay Courtney. <laughs> that's, okay. That's what it says okay. on IMDb uh, trivia. So it cut, it's not always true, but it did make me laugh. And I was like, well, that's a weird reason to make a film, JK. But... And then Jay Courtney recorded a nice message for the daughter. So oh, he got something okay. out of it. Uh, and you get to start with Schwarzenegger. I think it's fun. Yeah, right? sure. I mean, yeah. And then this Probably. film
0: goes on and is just a slog, sh- a, a bore. It's dull. And the other thing I find unforgivable is they bring back uh, Joe Morton's character, who is, I forget his name, but he's the scientist in the second one. Dyson. yeah, Miles Dyson. Yeah, they bring Miles back Dyson. Miles Dyson because Miles Dyson and his son are in this for reasons because they think it's cute.
2: But they don't bring
0: back Joe Morton. i a bit like, but Joe Morton is alive and he's been mm. in films. He still acts. He's in the Snyder films. You could bring him into this and I'd forgive you a bit if you brought back Joe Morton, who I love, who I think is fabulous. He's, he's in, great. Yeah. He's in the speed films and he's a lot of fun in speed one and he's barely in speed two. So I forgive it. And yeah, I just, I hate this film. It's a slog. It's boring and neutered. And then it's ends with really tease boring. of a season. Yeah. It's soulless. Like, it's absolutely soulless it's oh and everyone's monologuing all the time everyone's giving these big speeches and it's like no one here has an in like if you've got a speechy film they've got to have great voices you've got like patrick stewart in the mix or something like that and like, yeah it opens with Carl reese's um narration and you also get a lot from sarah connor and it's just badly written poorly delivered and it's this problem with the terminator films that they're all trying to start new series like they all have mm. to set, have stuff set up that isn't resolved. So we never find out who sent Arnie's pops back. We...
1: Thank you. What the fuck was that about? I mean, again, <laughs> I'm guessing that was meant to come in the sequels that never made it. Yeah, so like, yeah. I, I don't know if you will have watched into the credits, but there is an end credit scene. I, I where did not like... even text Rich because yeah. I know how trigger happy he is at the end of credits. Yeah. Yeah.
0: There's a glowing red it. ball, and uh, <laughs> there's the hologram of Matt Smith, and it's like, ah, Skynet will be back in the sequel, and thankfully this film did not make enough money for that sequel.
2: No. Crazy. I mean, you, you absolutely hit the nail on the head. It's, I, I did not watched it until today. I watched it for the first time ever today. <laughs> I must apologise. It's what we do. Fucking hell, it's boring. Yeah. It's so dull. Like, honestly, I, I was text Dave about 20 minutes in, and I've got no idea what's happening like (laughs) baffled absolutely baffled by what's going on and Dave's like I've just finished watching it and I don't know what happened either and it didn't get any better and it just in the the middle just drags so Mm. much it's so dull I honestly I think I fell asleep for about five minutes and didn't notice it made no difference
1: even the action's boring yeah to say that about a, a Terminator film is is staggering because that's what the first two films especially the second one is known for especially set pieces like the, the first terminator film when S- Schwarzenegger's going for the police uh, headquarters mm. is yeah. fucking brilliant and the bit in the club is also good and then you get to this and it's just it's just mind boggling boring soulless J-Court. like no one's got any chemistry it's and i can't mm. i can't understand so we start off in the future in like, 2000-whatever. Then we go back to 1984, but then, Mm-mm. for some reason, we make a detour to 2017? Was Whenever that... the
0: film came out, yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah, 15, or whatever it was, because he had a, a dream of something, a rubber in the middle Basically, of
0: has, like, fake memories start, like... Um... Putting the self into I must stress, we should always go with what Looper says. And Looper says, and Austin Powers too, explicitly says, tells us not to
1: overthink the time travel because you'll hurt your head. Like, <laughs> Well, that's the bit, because he tells his younger self at the end to keep te- go look in a mirror and say this line to you. And that put, must put so much pressure on that small boy. So <laughs> once, once a day, just go look yourself in the mirror and go, Cybernet is Genesis, and Genesis is Cybernet. <laughs> All right, mum, ready to go now school. <laughs> why would the think, police wrong bring in boy? a young boy
0: who has the same fingerprints? I don't understand why that is. I think they'd just be mm. like, oh, there's an issue in the system, not let's bring that young boy in to meet his future self and you know, give him a complexion. Like, And in most time travel
1: films, that is a no-go. They can't go near each other, a younger self <laughs> and an older self, right? That's no. If they touch each other, bad things are going to happen. I'm thinking time cop here. Um, or 12 monkeys. 12 monkeys, something like that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man, it is it's shit and why is genesis
0: spelt with a Y? I have no idea i can't i can't explain the choice in that i i guess it's to make a boring title less boring i don't know like why is it called terminator genesis because it's not about the beginning of terminator that's terminator salvation is about the beginning of terminator because that's set mm. in the future like that's set after the the fall of man and I mean that's not a great film but that at least gets some stuff right for
2: me like it, That's another one I haven't actually seen. It's very boring. So I it's I thought this strange. was going to be a, that basically. Hmm. I thought Genesis that means the start of all this, yeah. right? So it's going to be the the awakening of Skynet essentially. That's what I thought it was going to be and I was really hmm. disappointed that it wasn't. <laughs> Cuz have you seen Dark Fate? I have seen Dark Fate.
0: How does I I think Dark Fate I, I kind of think Dark Fate would be better for me if there was not Arnie or Linda Hamilton in it. I think if it was just yeah. new people
2: and new Terminators. I didn't hate it. I didn't like it, but mm. I didn't hate but it. But can you remember it? You know?
1: No, No, not no I can't remember anything about it. Uh, I, remember I a get
2: bit confused in a, about which ones I've seen and imi- which ones are which. Immigration
0: <laughs> Centre, where they're like going through and the Terminator can come in. And... I remember the Terminator being able to duplicate itself and have two versions of itself. One is its skin, one is its body which is kind of cool there's cool ideas there There are no cool ideas here like no, Genesis no. has no cool ideas and
2: or anything slightly cool in this is from the other movies which makes it instantly yeah.
0: less cool and yeah it doesn't even it doesn't even look good or sound good like like we're talking about Rise of Skywalkers like those two make these two films make me really angry but <laughs> Rise of Skywalker at least looks and sounds pretty decent like it has at least a mm. fun score from Williams and his shop well, this is, yeah, this is this. This would be a two star film, but it's a one star film because it's a Terminator film, and it, it should be better. And like in a in a world where you can have I don't know Prey, which is an, a similarly legacy like '80s uh, action franchise being rehabilitated, mm. you can do the same here. You can you can do something fun and interesting. You can you also mm. have like a wealth of a timeline with time travel. So you can go to any point in Sarah Connor's timeline or the Connor's timeline that gets you to that point and have a Terminator story and so you could have I don't know, yeah. Wild West Terminator or anything really you could have it yeah. in the 20s or the
2: 30s comes back in the 70s to, to like 8 year old Sarah Connor show me that bit show me that bit yeah we have the <laughs> like... briefest of flashbacks for that and that would be a good story that would have been a better film
1: wouldn't
0: it yeah
2: absolutely yes yes because you'd have a fun recreation a in the film.
0: 70s and it would distinguish you from like all the Stranger Things like films that have come out about the 80s you, you could have done something Different, like mm. oh, yeah, there's so much you could have done with this film. So and... going
1: in, were you thinking I mean you've already watched the trailer that's ruined it for you <laughs> right? Uh what were you thinking? Were you okay, it's a terminate film, Schwarzenegger's back. James Cameron had something to do with this. He he I
0: think he said that he was okay with it. I think he didn't watch best it was the direction, Because like... if they
1: didn't make this, he would got the rights back and he eventually did get the rights back and made yeah. Dark Fate he's produced that that's why they rushed this but this film was so much better if they didn't have like they were so confident it was going to be a trilogy so confident yeah. like, it was going to make money they were like we can leave massive plot holes from this yeah and we'll get to it and like
0: so to say so yeah, it's to go all the way back to like batman and batman returns batman is a total complete film it has a beginning, middle, and end, and Batman still exists there and after, but the main story is completed. Yes. And then you get Batman Returns, so, like, you can have sequels to films that leave, like, a character alive, but doesn't leave threads to dangle for a mythic trilogy. I always get annoyed when I watch modern franchise films that are, like, trailers for, or, like, teases for what's coming next. I'm like, no, no, just... Mm. Just give yeah, me a good yeah. film and then I'll go and watch the next one if this is a good one. That's all you got to do for me now. You're just going to make this a good one and then maybe we'll do another one. Because like Dark Fate mostly resolves itself, but does kind of set up there's going to be a sequel. But so does the Terminator. The Terminator teases into a sequel really nicely. Like, And like, I don't know, like I always dwell on the fact that Terminator 2 takes basic threads, like basic little seeds that are planted really effectively at the end of the Terminator. Like they kill the Terminator, but there's still an arm and there's still a bit of a chip. And that's key to why Skynet can exist in Terminator 2. And that's brilliant. It's brilliant taking mm. those elements and then having them a part of the sequel. I also think it's there's an arrogance here for me in being like, we're going to redo everything. So we're going to undo Terminator 1 and 2, which always feels like a, don't do that. Don't undo a brilliant original and one of the greatest sequels ever made. Just yeah. don't try and do that. Like it works the Halloween films where you're like, we're going to go back and do a sequel after the first Halloween. Because most of the Halloween sequels aren't very good or you know mm. aren't necessary but this it's like yeah they like go back and undo all that's happened in the terminator
2: and then wipe out
0: terminator 2 and replace it with something that's a rip off of terminator 2
2: yeah, yeah yeah absolutely i didn't realize quite how little money this made <laughs> so <laughs> they all make very little money budget of 155 million so 155 million to make bearing in mind that probably cost as much again in like
1: promo and made eighty nine million. I think no, like, it made more than that. Rich, it did make about really? four hundred million. But I it, think it was big in, okay. in China. but, it, but... It, it was massive everywhere around the world. Well, I'm saying, massive. It made money everywhere else. But
2: am I looking at the U S. Yeah, but oh, okay. America. Right, but yeah.
1: you're right. So it was about one hundred fifty five, maybe two hundred million to make, and then you, you're looking at an extra hundred million, hundred fifty marketing. And at that yeah. point, they're just like, it's it's not worth carrying on. And I think it nearly. Mm and there was meant to be a tv series as well so it was meant to help at the same point and they now and it just it never happened and and you know what thank fuck for that <laughs>
0: <laughs> but yeah the Terminator rights get punted around all the time like i don't think any single film
1: would you has... watch another one yeah 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 me, me too yeah, yeah like, i'm ready to be hurt again
0: this die hard for a long time predator yeah an alien like those kind of like 70s, 80s franchises that are core pillars of my like uh, transition from family films to like vertical as real films or adult films. Yeah, mm. that I, I I would watch another one of these uh, begrudgingly. I just hope they do like the route that Prey did, which is to take the essence of it and then put it somewhere else. Just put it yeah. somewhere else. I don't want Arnie in the next one. I love Arnie to bits. He's a fabulous, fabulous screen presence. But he's far too old to be playing this part now. Like he's far too old to be this character. They only make it work in Dark Fate because he's been around for like thirty years. So he's aged into where he is. And they do the same here, but you know. But say they stole that idea
1: from Genesis, didn't they? They It'd be called
0: Pops in this, and every time she says (laughs) Pops, a little bit of me dies watching it. I don't know why. I watch this every year because I'm a sucker for pain and (laughs)
2: brilliant. (laughs) I cannot imagine watching this every year. I, I do like, not imagine watching this ever again. Like, I don't
1: recommend it. <laughs> no, it's it's not one you should watch again. Rich, is there a sequel from a franchise? So it can be any number that you didn't like the first one or the the first few, but then you liked later on. I mean, earlier we talked about Top Gun two, and you said you didn't like the first one, which um, is wrong. <laughs> but you, but you watched the second one. You are like hang on that's good absolutely
0: yeah um let's do that let's do Top Gun Maverick uh yeah the so my thing about the first Top Gun is I saw it a long time after I should have I should have watched this when I was a teenager I watched this when I was about maybe 30 like I watched it very recently and I watched it in an afternoon and I just didn't get the bus and I didn't feel it (laughs) which I'm sorry but yeah like and then that's fine Top Gun Maverick came along, and I'm a little bit the trailers are really good for Top Gun Maverick. But I was like, oh, but no, I don't really want to be with this character again. And I like Tom Cruise. I love those Mission Impossible films, but it's a Top Gun film. And then I watched Top Gun Maverick, and it, I realized a lot of why I like it is is it kind of fixes stuff about the modern blockbuster for me. So it's like, it has stakes, it has like a real feel like thing, if things go wrong, these characters die. It spends yeah. the entirety of the film being like, this is the mission. This is what the mission is. This mission is impossible. And that is exciting. And then it has, like, at the end, it has the mission being done, and they do it. They do the impossible. And uh, Tom Cruise is great in this, and there's a little bit of of his, Stardust is slightly dimmer. Like, he's allowed a little little bit more humanity in. Like, he feels Mm. older and a bit less uh, showy. Yeah. yeah. And like he has a, a age appropriate love interest, which is refreshing.
2: Yes, <laughs> yeah, well you said that as a positive for
0: us as well. But the action the action is is phenomenal. I mean, you'd expect putting a very expensive camera into a jet and flying it at great speed would produce some phenomenal footage, but it produces some phenomenal footage. This because they're doing all the flying pretty much, yeah. It feels authentic in a way that mm. watching other blockbusters that were there in like a studio with surrounded by blue or whatnot yeah this is it just it it feels like a sequel done well and done for the right reasons and and i should have had more faith because christian mcguire is the writer of it and he has taken the mission impossible films and while i don't think there's a bad mission impossible film what he's turned the mission impossible franchise Mm. is is two Two. (laughs) (laughs) two is i haven't watched two in years i've watched it once i think and i remember being like Okay, that was different. And then we moved (laughs) away from it. But what he's done with the franchise is just... Like, Mission Impossible Fallout is an utter delight from start to finish. Has one of my favourite moments, which is where Henry Cavill reloads his arms. And it feels like... So it feels like he's a creative who can shape an action scene around what Tom Cruise's appeal is. So I should have had faith. And also, it's from the director of Tron Legacy. And I love Tron Legacy. It is shiny and stupid. And looks beautiful and it's a great soundtrack. I'm a sucker for a fantastic soundtrack. was yeah, a, a, sound. a good soundtrack.
1: Oh, well, Top I Gun 2 has got a great soundtrack it.
0: too. Exactly. And Top Gun 2 is the soundtrack and it has that look and feel. And it doesn't really matter that the humans are kind of stereotypes because it's a Top Gun film. And also that Tom Cruise is there being a bit more human than he's ever been. Yeah, And I mean, I almost cried during the Val Kilmer scene and I have no real time for Val Kilmer. I think he's a fine actor and he's in some good films. But when it's him meeting... Uh, is he goose or is he maverick or is he something
1: what tom cruise's character ice, ice Man, Man, yeah.
0: when he meets Iceman it's like i felt myself on the verge of crying and i only really cry at animated films so it's gotta do something right if i'm crying at a live action film and there's just all this weight to that kind of moment that even someone who doesn't like top gun can feel this weight and also because it, it taps into the real life experience of val kilmer mm. in this point in his life and it feels A beautiful moment to include Val Kilmer in the way you can include Val Kilmer Mm. yeah I I think I think it's it's masterful and I hope that the lesson taken from Hollywood is that they can get back to a place where they'll actually have cameras in a place and film it like that feels like
1: revolutionary but well the other day they announced they're going to do a new f1 film and it's the director of Top Gun 2, Jared Brookheimer okay. again. And I think they're actually going to become, for one race only, they're going to be the 11th team or something. And they're going to put okay. cars... No, it can't be the 11th team. There's more than 11. I can't actually remember. But they're actually going to put proper cars, cameras in the cars again. Good. And film it like Top Gun. Wow. I'd watch okay. that. i you watch <sighs> that, yeah. I'd watch that. Yeah, so
0: Top Gun Maverick made me feel things I didn't think I would feel about watching a uh top gun film i felt emotionally moved by it and gave me chills and it also is like as a legacy sequel it's just it does the legacy well it isn't just like i don't know bring back this like bring back this old actor who was in the third film and they're in it like yeah it's not like arnie being in every terminator film
1: yeah it's Mm. that
0: we haven't had this film for 40 years or so and it's back and it might be the film that saves cinema for me. I don't know. That's always like, what's the film that saves cinema for you? And for me, it's probably actually Godzilla versus Kong. Cause that's the first one I saw after the, Third lockdown, and I, I almost cried again because I was like, "I'm watching a giant ape beat up a giant lizard in the well, You got again. lucky. I saw the
1: new mutants, so I didn't <laughs> have that feeling. I was like, "We well, were probably best a better at home. <laughs> right. hit home." Hitman's no. wife's bodyguard, wasn't it? Dave? uh was for like, you, it was. Yeah,
2: what, yeah <laughs> saved it for me.
1: But Top Gun was just an inexperience another experience like IMAX, um, mm. and I think it does like you're. Not, I'm a big Top Gun fan. My family brought me up on Top Gun and I cried out literally for the whole of that film. Yeah. For, to do that for me and then to do what it did for you when you're not a fan at all for Yeah, the first one's ridiculous. And I can understand that because it is quite cheesy, especially when you haven't grown up with it and the first time you watch it when you're 30. Like, I've met a lot of people recently that are starting to watch 80s films now and they're like, oh, it's they're not good. <laughs> I'm like, well, yeah. they, they, they were. You have to, they you, were. You had to yeah. be there. You had to be there. You had to understand. I think Top Gun is one of the best sequels ever made Top Gun 2 is one of the best sequels ever made now and it
0: also feels like part of this movement of surprisingly good sequels where like the people making the sequel work out what is the thing that needs to be and like in Top Gun Maverick Mm. it's this like treaty on who Tom Cruise is wrapped into this film and like in Prey it's taking the predator and placing it somewhere and having none of this mythology and just doing an action chase movie and in Puss in Boots 2 it's i love putting them together (laughs) sneaking in like this like (laughs) treaty on masculinity and like and adding in really good animation like adding like some amazing animation like what dreamworks doing with animation is just like uh, the spider versification of dreamworks is one of my favorite Mm. things like them making like the bad guys and puss in boots to look how they look i just love it yeah top gun maverick is probably i can't think of a better sequel in recent years like yeah. That isn't like of like a of a, of a franchise that's long running. Like it's not like it's yeah. like the second Lord of the Rings, which were like three films filmed together and you should probably view them as like a giant film
1: being chopped into chunks. It's, y- it's... You're sounding very like Ian Nathan now. He his <sighs> description of a, of a sequel is very confusing. <laughs> what is your dream sequel? And I hope the uh, right film for this. So it is okay. the animation one, right? Yeah, yeah, cool, animation. Cool. My dream sequel is the uh, Road to El Dorado
0: 2. So first up, Road to El Dorado is my favourite animation of that era. Like It's like the culmination of a movement in the 90s, which was like a re-embracement of vaguely fairy tale or like adventure stories within animation. Mm. So kind of, Disney did it, did it really well with like The Lion King, Aladdin, Beauty and the Beast, Hercules, any of those, like, that kind of like movement, In the '90s was wonderful. It's still wonderful. It's still like probably the best run Disney has ever had. Like in the history of Disney, they have ups and downs, and we might be on a down now. Disney, I can't quite work out yet where I think Disney are, but they have like ups and downs. They have this, and they go into like you know Home on the Range and Chicken Little, which two films not worth watching, and then like DreamWorks trying to be DreamWorks copied them and made Road to El Dorado, but Road to El Dorado is this rip roaring uh, adventure yarn of these two idiots ending up in el dorado and at the same time is like the spanish a platoon of the spanish army are coming and they are terrifying and they go into this city and there's like internal politics but it's all light and fun and elton john has done songs for it I like, yeah. I adore it. I think it's one of my favorite animations and it's not really talked about as much, Yeah. but I, I'd love them to like try and do it again or try and bring it back with that DreamWorks animated style, like bring it. So like how they did it with Puss in Boots 2, where they took a character that I had very little massive. Uh, he's fun, but he's, he's sort of like a parody. He's a support of, character, isn't he? He's a support character. He's a parody. And then that in Puss in Boots, the Last Wish, he's, his journey is beautiful and profound and moving that kind of idea that you you don't have to be the hero. You don't have to be the, the you don't have to be a, a, a myth, a legend. You can be mm. just who you are. Yeah. And you can live that one life you have. Marry that with like this wonderful animation they've got going at DreamWorks. Like just the way it looks and feels the way 3D, but adapted. So it's got a bit of 2D to it. It's got a bit of chaos to it. I, I, I'm i at a place where I'm utterly in love with where animation is because we've kind of moved beyond pixar being dominant we've moved beyond like dreamworks that kind of like sarcastic film we've got where it was famous cast taking the material of this film with a series of references to these films from all these popular culture moments of the time something of like yeah shark's Tale or turbo or the Boss Baby. And fun fact about The Boss Baby, I watched it 60 times in a row because my daughter got obsessed with it and we watched it every day for two months. Oh, I've oh, been there. God. And it was, been there. it was the darkest two months of my life. I hate that film and will never watch it again.
2: <laughs> Luckily, didn't have it with Boss Baby, but uh, oh, Paw Patrol, certainly.
0: Um, I don't think Paw Patrol is <sighs> very good. <so.
2: laughs> no, Paw Patrol is not good. <laughs> And a, th- a memory popped up on my Facebook the other day of uh, a, p- a picture of my son watching Paw Patrol on the TV. And my comment was, I love this kid, but if I have to watch one more episode of Paw Patrol, I'm going to burn the house down. <laughs> like, it's kind of like... We're currently
0: in a Lion Guard place. That's the thing my daughter's watching a lot of. And I have to go and go, no, no more of this. Watch something else. If I hear any more mm. of this from the kitchen, I will turn the TV off. So. <laughs> how, how old is your daughter? <laughs> She's six. She gets... Um, fixated on watching stuff. Whereas uh, my yeah. son who's free will watch like five minutes of something they go, bored now, gonna go off and do something. Yeah. And they're very my son is
2: obsessed with watching YouTube videos of Minecraft <laughs> with shouty, annoying Americans. That's it could be worse. Could be worse. I promise. <laughs> <laughs> yes.
1: Have you showed them Road to El Dorado yet? What age are you yeah, aiming at a yeah. couple of times? Um well the daughter
0: definitely. So she has embraced films really quickly like she'll sit through an entire film we oh get wonderful small, fairly regularly the first film she saw was tangled they she'd already watched it so i took her to the cinema to watch that but yeah like some of my favorites cinema my moments now are the ones i've taken her to like there was yeah. a picture house kids club of the first free wallace and Gromit shorts and they mean the world to me and yeah having showing a particularly uh the wrong trousers which i think is is one of the great action films. That train sequence is one of the great action sequences because it's fast, kinetic, and done in claymation. I'm like, how did you do this? How did you make this happen? Uh, Yeah. So she, she quite likes Road to El Dorado. It's not one she reaches for in the same way as... I don't know, The Lion King 2. She prefers the bad Disney sequels. Oh, God. <laughs> the Hunchback of Notre Dame
1: 2 or uh, Pocahontas getting lost one. in London.
0: Yeah, Pocahontas 2 and uh, many bad sequels have been watched. Um, mm. But yeah, so bringing it back to this animated sequel, it's like I think it's time we bring this one back. I think it's, it's time that DreamWorks go back into their vault and pull this one out and be like...
1: I love that you picked this film because, one, I never heard of it. Or watched it. I thought it was a Disney film, wasn't. Uh, and then reading about it, by the way, I watched it and really enjoyed it. The,
2: yeah, I quite enjoyed I it. I liked
1: too. I read yeah. about it and I was like, they recorded Kevin Klein and uh K- Kenneth Branagh together, apparently, and that's why it's so mm. they bounce off so well together. They
2: do, but Kenneth Branagh in this
1: feels weird. I did read a, <laughs> a, a line, strange saying, choice. I did read a line like. that said from a, from a review, it says, Less you know about history, the more enjoyment you get out of the film. <laughs> And I think that's, I think that's correct. But then I read that what happened. No one saw it, Russ. No yeah, one saw no, it. it. Didn't, didn't make any money. It, it's like it's a massive bomb. It's,
0: yeah, yeah.
1: Didn't even make. I picked money a sequel back. to a
0: massive animated bomb, and DreamWorks have several franchises. They don't need to. They they're probably going to make another Shrek. They're making another Kung Fu Panda. They could make another Madagascar. There are many franchises for them. They uh, DreamWorks made two a pair of 2D animated films, this and Prince of Egypt and Prince of Egypt made enough money to wash its face. It wasn't a hit. Prince
2: of Egypt's but got this... musical. Yeah. Did they do like Sinbad as well or
0: something? Oh, they did, do... like... But Sinbad's sort of 2D, 3D. So but yeah, Sinbad will include that. Um... But yeah, like this one was around the same time as Shrek, they were making it. And yeah. so you can see like, there's like these two like paths that they're kind of like taking themselves down. One is like, well, if 2D animation still has an appeal, we can do the two D animation, but if it's three D animation, mm. we've got Shrek, and uh, the rest is is history. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this did not make money, uh, which is is tragic. And like yeah, I, I think it's got some white savior issues. Like I, I would definitely recast uh, Tulio Miguel. I was thinking, but was could you?
1: Because they're the selling point of this film. No, but you could
0: you could recast them if you have like Oscar Isaacs and Pedro Pascal. Oh yeah, like... I'd watch
1: that. Yep, yeah. Yeah, see? Sorry. You gotta get like two <laughs>
0: yeah. uh, zeitgeisty men who are friends, who are of an appropriate ethnicity. Yeah, okay. And I'm that's who I'd go for. And then you get like an exciting director in and you give them the art style of uh, the puss in boots and the bad guys and Yeah, and have the duo go off. Maybe with Shell. I like Shell. I I like Shell as a character because she's did you uh, have a
1: crush on her, Ross? Absolutely. She would yeah. have been one of my very early crushes. Yeah, I thought you would. And then
0: watching her now, I'm like, but you're a smart character. Like, you've got your own initiative and your own drive. Mm. And you know what you want to get, which is very rare with female characters in this time. Like,
2: And Rosie Perez is awesome as well. Yeah, she yeah. is.
0: Yeah. But yeah, there's definitely. it's definitely a bit of a... Sexy film. It's definitely a horny film when it comes to like,
2: yeah. Is it, is it Tulio or Miguel
0: who's in a, I think it's Miguel who's having a relationship with her. No, right? it's who? It's it's the other one. Tulio. Tulio. And like, there's yeah. like this bit when the, the priest comes in and like Tulio comes up and he's got rough hair and then she comes up and it's like, this is a kid's film and you've definitely tried quite <laughs> heavily. And she's a very curvy woman. I've, I've never she's seen very her. very curvy and. for an animation. <laughs> yeah. So I'd put, you'd probably have her come back. Uh, but yeah, yeah I, I think this is one of those animated films i think i should be allowed to make it but
1: would you have would you have it now or would you have
0: done it like 2005 no i do it now i think where animation was in 2005 particularly for dreamworks i would probably have hated that version of it yeah. just because yeah in 2005 we were in a place where there were a lot of sub shrek like films and i think the first two shrek films are pretty great like great i thing. love the first one and the second one is a fun sequel like The second one is a really fun sequel, but the, the versions of it we got and like, it's telling that the first Disney 3D animated film after dinosaur. So they made dinosaur and that wasn't great, but they made chicken little, which is as Shrek as you come. Like it's like it's Zach Braff is the lead character. And that was the time when he was JD in the scrubs. Mm. And like, it's this kind of knowing send up of, of close encounters of the third kinds kind of films And it's got all these pop culture references and it's ugly as sin because it's all 3D animation. Uh, Yeah, no, where where we were in 2005 is not where I want to be. I want us to be today where we've had Into the Spider-Verse, which kind of is a permission structure to studios to be like, you can make these films that aren't photorealistic, that are fun and zany. Like The Mitchells vs. The Machines is one of my favourite films of recent years because of that, because it has like, live action and 2d animation and puppetry and it has like bits where they'll play the batman sound effect and it's got the rich mitchell's face in the screen and yeah should watch the film again i watched that film a lot
1: last year it's a great film <laughs> it is it is i'm looking forward to the new turtles film from that yeah kind of looks, it looks, looks great looks great looks, yeah and i um yeah
0: it looks great and like there's just these films coming out. like this looks fun for me as well this is nice mm, like it's yeah. nice to be like i can take my kids to see this turtles film and it's not going to be terrible yeah touchwood i mean i haven't seen a, anything but the trailer uh
1: yeah if i gave you a choice between a sequel to the elder the road to Eldorado, or a remake of the road to with you know historically correct characters and, <laughs> and stuff which one would you waver towards
0: i kind of want them to go to somewhere else i kind of want them to go to a so new you want place, the road like, away from el dorado or the road to i don't know atlantis or the road to some other mythical city mm. like I, I like the i my concern of a remake is always that we'll end up in a place where disney are where we get like the Lion King and Beauty and the Beast and Lady and the Tramp and yeah. Little Mermaid being remade. And I'm a bit like, but but why are we doing this? Whereas I think if it was a sequel, and also I think there's this thing, like because of the what Puss in Boots 2 does with being a sequel and does with the notion of a hero, I would like that with this, like the notion of a hero, of the kind of like colonial hero would be fascinating if that was what was being explored. Of like yeah. what does it mean to be... An intruder essentially going to these lands and discovering them, like yeah, it'd be, it'd be fascinating to see how that feels. Essentially, they
2: are they're Spaniards in, in Central America just before the conquistadors yeah. land, yeah. aren't they? So like Cortez is yeah, Cortez, like, Cortez is, is real. Cortez is, know, Cort- is a
0: monster, but a real monster, like he, yeah, he, like, exists yeah. and Absolutely. he's going to burn down this entire forest. Like he's going to destroy the forest, destroy the people there, put them into slavery mine it for everything it's worth that's and that's what really
2: happened that's yes. that's real like that's it's what the terrible is, terrible story yeah absolutely and so so something that explores that maybe because cortez doesn't feel like you don't quite get there with cortez i don't think on this but do you? you don't kind of
0: he feels a bit mean, um this film is doing too much he like, seems right, right, to be yeah. right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, oh
1: that's i'm seeing myself out Carrots, yeah. <laughs> uh yeah I,
0: I think the narrative does too much here i think it's going at a terrific pace which is great when you're watching it but also means like the chief figure who builds in the boat is a great character but there's not enough mm. f- for him there it's like he's a great character there's this great tension between him and this terrifying priest but because you've got the terrifying priest and you've got cortez and they Kind of have to both exist, and then Cortez kind of pops up 15 minutes before the end and doesn't reach the city, which is positive for the city because the city would be you know destroyed. It, it feels yeah. like he's like this. He's the real threat, but he's a bit more intangible. He's a bit more like we know he's a threat from the first time we see him. He oozes menace in a way that's mm. really fun, and he never has any jokes. He never has any humor. He's always a humorless figure, which I think makes him even more of an imposing figure for me but yeah yeah you could do like 20 more minutes but i'm not sure what you're doing that 20 minutes i'm not sure what we could see that would kind of
1: solve the fact it's doing a lot there has been someone and i'm not gonna read all of this or any of it to be honest i'll I'll send you in a chat but someone has written out a complete plot of the road road to el dorado 2 but it's about spreading christianity i think it's a bit bonkers the person who wrote it I'm excited. It's in the chat right, if you okay. read uh, And it starts off, it's, for, it's set 14 years after the first movie. The Spanish have conquered the New World and established the colony of New Spain. <laughs> okay. Uh... Uh, it has got Miguel and Julio and Cher in it and the horse. It oh, the horse! It introduces new characters. It seems about spread, spreading Christianity across across the the, the 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 local heathens as he puts it that sounds bad yeah <laughs> i don't want that no it's not
0: I that i don't want that i don't want it to be about how actually the uh, colonizers were good
1: nah but it seems nah. that miguel and julio have settled somewhere in uh south america and and protecting a hidden city okay of uh a certain of people who worship uh, their gods okay Hmm. i mean i it doesn't re- i tried to read it earlier and what i came out of it is that doesn't sound fun at all it's <laughs> got it's got to, it's got to still be fun it's still got to be them on an adventure it can't be uh
0: yeah it, it can't be a repeat of like the second act the second half essentially which is what that sounds like that mm. they're in a town and there are people around them and they're interacting with the people which is fun here because they have a short time together and we've got all the dynamics floating around and we've got uh miguel having uh copious amounts of sex off screen
1: um he has children yeah. in the new one in, the, in his idea he oh, has children. oh good so you good that's very um wholesome <laughs> oh man i loved your pick i think it's great and thank you because i never watched it before uh and i got very confused and then i watched it and i thought i hope it's the animation version he's talking about there's not a live action somewhere that i've missed <laughs>
2: Those were Russell Bailey's unequal sequels.
1: I love talking to Russ. He's great, isn't he? He's so passionate about film, isn't it? And yeah, also, I love talking to Russell as well. He is the man. Yeah. Great
2: picks. Great picks. I mean, Batman Returns, brilliant shouts. We yes. love a Michael Keaton Batman. Danny DeVito's The Penguin, lovely choice. Terminator Genesis for worst. I mean, no arguments here. It's a. <laughs>
1: Big old load of poop. It's the worst Terminator. Oh, yeah. Maybe yeah. So. It might be. <laughs> it might, be. It might be the worst. It's close. It might be the worst Terminator film, yes.
2: And then Road to El
1: Dorado that I'd never seen before. What an absolute delight that was. Mm. Can't believe it. Never seen it, never heard of it. No. It's great. I'm surprised there wasn't a sequel. I'm surprised that no one watched it back when it was released back in 2001. Yeah.
2: And if you like the chat we had with Russ, then go and check out. Uh, not the, his not just for kids podcast. Me and Dave have been on it. We have been, yeah. We talked it's about a Ghostbusters. It's great listen. We did talk about Ghostbusters.
1: And I think... Are we going to be on that again? Yes, we are going to pop up on the next run. We can't tell you what and when. but no, We don't want to spoil it. But Our voices you know, will be heard on that podcast, not just for kids. With Russell Bailey. Yeah.
2: Go give it a listen, wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Yeah, it's great. <laughs> it's really great. And I recommend his animation chats mostly because... The man loves animation, really yeah. loves animation, and knows his shit. So go, go listen to that. Yeah, what else can we tell him? While you're off
2: subscribing to Russ's podcast, then uh, why don't you hit subscribe on our podcast too? We're we'll dropping to your pod player of choice every single week, and twice a week at the moment. Whilst we're doing our inter- in our interview season, season five, possibly the best season we've ever done. Some people are calling it our Fast and Furious season because wow. it's a, it's an absolute game-changer in the franchise. So, you know, <laughs> no, no, you know not to big it up too much, but uh, it's pretty special. It's pretty special. You want to hit that subscribe button. And uh, while you're there, if you want to give us some likes, give us some hearts, give us five stars, tap us at a review if you're on Apple Podcasts, that would be lovely. We do appreciate those. And if you really, really love us, get yourself over to another slice.com forward slash unequal sequel where you can join our subscription service for just $2.99 a month. You'll get a sequel to this episode and, in fact, a sequel to all of our interview episodes from this season and last season. You can also get some loads of extra content, bonus content, like our Flash review, which you can listen to for absolutely free. You don't even have to subscribe. You can get our disenfranchised series and you can pick up our Box Set Mentality series too. Both of which are like having a whole extra podcast just for you. Um, if you like what you hear and you want to talk, get in touch, tell us what you thought of Russ's picks. Get onto social media. We're at Unequal Sequel on Instagram and Twitter. Or you can send us an
1: email, com. I'm so glad you get to do that. And I don't have to waffle through all that. It, it confuses me. And I think you do a great job every week. Thank you for doing it, sir. I do appreciate it. It's a lot of it. Uh, thank you, everyone, for listening. We really appreciate it. Go check out Another Slice if you want to hear more from us. It's actually really brilliant. It's like free podcasts if I'm trying to get technical about it. Thank you to Russell for being on this week's episode. Uh, there is going to be another episode next week. It's episode five, yep. and it's a cracker. It is a cracker. It's
2: absolutely brilliant. Yes, it's, so, it's you you a know,
1: great one. Make sure you subscribe. And that's a big fat sequel chat to the sequel chat. So mm. I've got nothing else to say. Rich, you got anything else to say? Nope. It's a goodbye from me. So it's a nice, nice, simple bye. Just a bye. Bye. And a goodbye from him.
2: Bye!
1: See you on the next one. Sequel to this one we'll be there hopefully you will be too bye-bye i feel like i dragged that out at the end but i think i, I think we did a know. good job we did a good job yeah this week's was a good episode next week's another great episode season five is oh, yeah cracking so far isn't it
0: on fire mate on, on fire, fire.